Welcome back to NALP's Young Professionals Network podcast, Growing in the Green Industry. Today's podcast is powered by our YPN Network's partner, Steel. Steel makes a full line of gasoline and battery-powered outdoor equipment for the demanding landscape professional. Find yours at steelusa.com. Your hosts of today's episode include myself, Neil Glatt with Grow the Bench, and Brett Lemke from RM Landscaping. How's it going, Brett? Wonderful. Good to see you, Neil. Yeah. Ted Light, right? The other out there trying to make some money, I guess, today or I, do I, business. I guess. Normally, uh, I'd expect you and, and Luke to be the two that are drowning, but um, <laughs> right. Miles is, is uh, sitting this one out too. So Yeah. Well, now, less people, we, we get all our questions out first, right? So mm-hmm. that's a lot less competition to talk. Or it's true. What we want to learn. Yeah. And uh, speaking of learning, we have a great guest today. Brett, you yeah. want to introduce her? Yeah. Monique Allen, uh, founder and creative director of the Garden Continuum, is a, is a master creator, interactive, interactive employer, published author, and fierce industry advocate. In over three decades, she has witnessed the landscape trade become extremely popular and commoditized, which has eroded the sustainability of our landscapes while undermining our ability to feel satisfaction from them. As a founder of the LifeScape Method, a lifelong gardener, business developer, and educator, Monique has dedicated her career to reversing that legacy by creating an alternative approach and sharing actionable information to spread a positive message about how we can all improve our land, our lives, and our professional satisfaction through lifescaping in a compassionate business building. In addition to running her own seven-figure business and publishing her first book, Stop Landscaping, Start Lifescaping, Monique is also an an active business coach specializing in artisan branding, team building, curating a positive company culture, and succeeding as a woman in a male-dominated industry. When Monique isn't lifescaping, she can be found spending time with her family, cooking new creations in the kitchen, practicing yoga, or stand-up paddleboarding. Welcome, Monique. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you one very the, much. One of the better uh, bios that we get sent to us. I think I loved it. I think grabs <laughs> a full breath of how busy you are and <laughs> and, 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 and and everything that you're, you're involved in. So it's excited to get into this. It's true. I'm excited because I've known Monique for years. We've interacted at, at a n- number of uh, industry events and conversations and, and just sharing best practices. And I can tell you all of that's 100% true and more. Monique <laughs> is, is super busy, but super awesome. So I'm excited for her to be here today. Cool. Thanks, Neil. Awesome. Well, and is is the is it a is the busyness self inflicted? What uh, what prompted the the path towards coaching? What prompts? I mean, we'll get all of this, but path towards writing a book. I mean, a lot of people think about it, but then very few actually act act on it. So, what 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 brought you into that diverse of a world of it? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, to answer your question, is it self inflicted? Absolutely. I have a busy mind, high metabolism. I need to move. You know. So. Um, uh, I used to I used to sort of uh, liken myself to a shark, right? You stop swimming and you sink, you know? So, um, and then somebody said that I was more like a hummingbird and I thought, okay, people aren't as afraid of hummingbirds as they are of sharks. Maybe I want to be a hummingbird. Unless of course you've been in a garden with a lot of hummingbirds and that's one scary, scary place to be. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is, it's, it's self-inflicted, but I'm very happy at it. You know, uh, the business has been my central core 
Um, but as I was growing as a business owner, I realized that like there were specific things that I needed to get done. Like I needed to figure out. And so I was, I had been blogging for years and I mean, I blogged back when it was called a newsletter and you like fold it in half and put a stamp on it, like the kind of stamp you had to lick. I mean, um, so writing a book, it made sense at that point because I was trying to, I was learning so much about how systems are really what run a business. And I was trying to understand my own brand. I was trying to like decodify what the hell I was doing. And so I was like, oh, well, if I just wrote a book about it, I would understand it. And I thought I'd be able to like write a book in six months and be all good. Yeah. Five years later, um, I had a book and it took me that long to like peel out of my head what I had been doing. And of course I would do it and then I would put it down. I wouldn't touch it all spring. I wouldn't touch it all fall. So it was five broken up years, but um, it was the best thing I ever did because I get my philosophy. I get what I'm doing so much better because it's actually codified now. Um, so well, that yeah. effort uh, I, I, and I think it just goes to that bigger message. If you, if you want to do something, either get involved or lead the way, because by teaching others, you actually learn better yourself. Um, and I, I'm a firm believer in that. I'd always raise my hand when I started figuring this out to say, I'll, I'll learn, I'll participate in that. And even through NMP, I'll help with that because I'm interested in learning more about it. And I'm not going to wait until someone writes a book about it. I'm going to write the book to your point myself. Right. And yeah. so, um, that's good. That's a, it's a nice, uh, uh, benefit of all that hard work. You actually get to understand this way, way better. Yeah. It, um, it kind of, it kind of now, and it, and it, the funny thing is, is you think you do all this work, you codify something and you know, I know you two both know this, you build a system or you build a training, you build something and you think, okay, oh, I built it. It's like building a landscape and thinking you're not going to have to maintain it. Right. So it's like, I, I, finally figured out how to codify this lifescape idea but now as I'm starting to really actively work with it and people are starting to use my language back at me I'm realizing it has to evolve with the market it has to evolve with the environment it has to evolve as my company evolves so I I, I think I you know I'm still learning because I publish I'm like done <laughs> nope <laughs> So, you know, now it's like, when's the next book coming out? I don't know, not, not this year, but it, it, it's, a con it's a constant process, just the way a landscape is. And that's why I was playing with stop landscaping, start lifescaping. Like, seems like the craziest thing for a landscaper to tell people to stop landscaping. But my, I was sort of playing with it. I wanted to be a little in your face with the title um, because I wanted people to think, wait, what, wait, wait, what, what's it, what's, what is that? What is, what is lifescaping? What is landscaping? And very simply for me, landscaping, that's something you look at. You know, you go and you see this beautiful landscape, you look at it. A lifescape is something that you interact with. You know, you go in it, you're in it, you're with it, you evolve with it. And lifescaping isn't just landscaping. You lifescape your business, you lifescape your home life. So if we think about what landscaping is to us, it's taking an environment and then creating that environment based on the vision you have for it. Why wouldn't you do that for your family? Why wouldn't you do that for your team? So it's, it's a, a really broad concept um, using the landscape 
as its um, kind of proving ground, if you will. I love how this, it wasn't just, you know, something to be in your face and, and get some attention. Like this is, it's, it's not just totally on brand for you and your company. Like it is, it is the essence of what you guys are all about over there. Do you want to share a little bit about, first of all, what the company does and the size, but the company culture and, and how this sort of permeates into everything you do there? Yeah, sure. So uh, again, evolutionary and it, it continues to change. COVID was, you know, wonderful, awful, you know, um, kick in the pants to change some more. Um, but we embrace that here. Uh, one of the things that's um, central and it's it's in our, our, our values is that um, everything evolves, even the landscape. So if we keep looking to nature as a guide, we've always got somebody showing us the way. So the Garden Continuum, um, I opened the Garden Continuum in 2020. I'd already been um, in the landscape industry for about 15 years um, and had a different company and decided I wanted to incorporate. And I chose the name because I wanted the word continuum in there. Um, in, you know, in hindsight, well, I'm glad I have it now, but it, there's been a lot of like, people can't say it, they can't spell it, you know, I might have thought that through a little bit better, but it was important to me. What goes around comes around. What you put in, you get out. Um, that that you know we're not unwitting victims of our own lives. We build our lives. We lifescape our lives. And so um, we design, build, and maintain landscapes. I don't do anything enormously special, except that the way I do it follows along the lines of what one might call regenerative farming, but we're regenerative landscaping. So we are looking at ways to use the landscape to improve lives, and then also to be an active participant in sequestering carbon and managing climate change. And so everything we do, even though there's a lot of beauty and horticulture and science involved in it, um, the, the goal really is to attach our work to the landscape such that we are in fact working a triple bottom line equation. We've got the planet first, the people next, the profit after that. And this is not to say that profit is at all not important. It's just not how I lead. So for me, when, when we developed our values, we have five core values and it's, you know, it's the planet. So our environment, everything we do is positive for the environment, the people, what we do is evolutionary and helpful and loving to people. We really lean into systems because we understand that systems make us stronger um, and we're accountable to those systems. Education, we have to be ever coachable. We can never walk into a room with hubris and think we know it all. We just need to be open and, and kind of walk into the room with a beginner's mind. And then we have to have fun. We have to have our lives. Like our lives are so important. Like they're so important that the way I build my schedule, um, even though I can cram a lot into it, we don't work weekends. We take long holidays. Um, and, and that is like fundamental for our company because I want people to disengage so that they can re-engage healthy and happy. So that path towards uh, those values uh, to build a team around that um, probably ups and downs throughout that getting to them to embrace that. What stories or what's that experience been like? 
Yeah, it's been, there's been a ton of ups and downs. I mean, I have failed so many times, but I'm, I'm so uh, in love with, I think it's, is it John Maxwell who did the fail forward? Um, you know, like I, I fail right flat on my face and then I crawl a little and then I get back up and I, I am like a full contact business builder, you know, I'll fail full out and own it. Um, because I feel like if I don't stretch the limits, um, and push the boundaries that I'm never going to get out of the the weight of what is the landscape industry. And, you know, in my bio, like I always cringe a little when somebody reads it and, and I write, you know, that the industries become over commoditized. Um, it, it, it's so important for us to understand that if we're just looking at this from a product basis, that we miss the life force energy and the power that landscapers have. I mean, we have wicked power. I don't even think we have a clue how much power I actually just went to, uh, I'm going off track for a second, I gotta say this. I just went to a really cool place where they make biochar and um, uh, cause we use that in our company. And he was, the, the guy was telling me how hard it is to get biochar on farms. And it's mostly because farms are all struggling for money. And when you think about how much money moves through the landscape industry and how much power we have to affect what's going on in the land. That's the thing that I was trying to lean into with the values. And the, the, the scary stories are just that, you know, I mean, I've lost people. I have people who've, who've quit because they don't wanna put plywood down before or tracks down before we bring a machine onto a piece of property. They think I'm wasting time. Um, that they don't wanna peel the loam off and drive on the subsoil rather than, you know, just drive in. Um, you know, I'm the, the mad landscape designer that comes in and moves all the contractors away and ropes off areas and says, you can't park here, you're compacting the earth. Um, and, and that has caused issues. I've had, you know, up, upsetting issues with, with builders and with other contractors and have had people quit because they don't, they don't want to go slow. They don't want to be measured and take the time. And that's been really painful and made me question if I was doing this right. But what I've learned now is that when I'm recruiting, like now I do it way, way back in the recruiting stage. So before it was like I was coming up with all this and I was kind of shoving it down people's throats, you know, and I didn't think I was doing that, but I was definitely doing that. I was like, I have this idea, we're going to do this. And and they never really had a say in it. Now, because I've built the method and I'm very clear about what I'm doing, which is why I think branding is so important. When we hire people right at that very first conversation, we're talking about those values. We now do value awards every year. So people are actually working to those values all the time. And that's made such a huge difference. I just never knew to talk about that stuff while I was recruiting. Um, so I went through a lot of kind of painful, icky, revolving door, people that felt important leaving and me being left to do all the work. <laughs> the, 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 the reality. Have you of, ever right? felt that? No, you know, this is a new conversation. I have not explored that. I mean, everybody comes here perfect to this organization. Um, yeah, it, 
and uh, you know, as we are in the midst of spring and the ramp ups and the, and the, the turnover of a team and how do we have less of it? And, and we've done the same uh, sort of strategies building around the values piece uh, and have embraced it probably for the last couple of years as an important part of this. And, and it's been wonderful, but not perfect. And, um, and tomorrow is our kickoff for the season and we'll try to really bring people to a level of excitement about what's going to be happening. Um, but it's, uh, but yeah, so, and ever the challenge and, and nowadays it's, you know, can we teach them the landscaping? Absolutely. We could teach them the horticulture. Absolutely. Do you have the, what it fundamentally takes to be the right kind of person as a part of our values? Well, that that's become the big challenge of education. Yeah, definitely. And I think talking about it in a way that is um, one thing I learned again, that I didn't know, you know, sort of values like, you know, trustworthy and honest and, you know, like all those values, I felt those kinds of values always fell short um, for me anyway. I had trouble with them. And when we ended up really simplifying our values so that, you know, it was, you know, nature, people, systems, education, fun, that, you know, that was, and actually fun isn't even called fun anymore. It's called self. And it was really this idea of like investing in yourself and that could be fun, but it also could be time off. It could be rest. It could be investing in your health and wellness. Like, so it was really that one of the values had to be that you would stand squarely in the middle of your own self and say, what do I need? Um, and Neil, like, I know you've done that in your career, the way like you've built your career, you know, you sort of push the envelope to, to say, what do I need? I know if I get what I need, I can bring to this company more of what it needs. And we don't bring a whole lot if we're not strong in self. And if I was able to make those super simple and then attach them to behaviors, now people could understand that when we talk about nature as a value, value, it means you never bring a piece of equipment on site without covering the land. Simple. Now it's an action. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, certainly wellness is is a major um, boat that most companies are missing, right? And considering are my employees experiencing a level of wellness, not just their best self at work, but, you know, financially, socially plugged into their community physically, um, you could find, you know, anywhere from five to a dozen definitions of, or, or categories of wellness, but no matter how somebody defines that, if they're not their best selves on their own, then you're just never going to get the most from them. And, you know, my journey was like, like you described through a lot of failure and I didn't realize that when I was totally physically unhealthy, when I was, you know, financially not doing the right things, that that was getting in the way of what I wanted to accomplish at work. And, you know, what really hit for me was when I was going through my divorce, I was like the worst at work, you know, and um, it took my boss at the time to come alongside me as a person rather than an employee in order to help, you know, get me back to that place where I was actually contributing, um, the way I needed to at work. So I love that for you, you've understood this and made those conversations part of something that's happening on an ongoing basis. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, the, the revolving door, um, 
problem that we all have in the landscape industry was one that I really wanted to tackle. And I wanted to understand why was it that, that no matter what the market, what I was finding was that landscape owners were always having the same complaints about not being able to find people. And um, I, I, I just thought to myself, you know, like, why is that? And I, what I started to, to really see was that we're consuming our employees and, um, and it's not because anybody's bad. Like, I don't think that people are going out there to do that. I just think this is very hard work. It's very, um, you know, it's concentrated, especially in the New England area where, you know, in any area where you have a snow season and you're, you're cramming all your horticulture into a small part and then, oh my goodness, God forbid you plow, then you're, you just take one hat off and put the other hat on and jump into a plow truck. So there's, so, so I don't think it's for lack of wanting to, um, to have people stay. I think it's the two things that I've sort of landed on because they were my experience was that first people are scary. They, they're scary. They, they have lots of things in dark places that you just don't want to deal with. Um, and the other thing is that as an owner, you get to a point where you start to feel like, what do they want from me? What do they want from me? Like, so people in general are scary, but then we're, feel like we're got our back against the wall. And so if you ever get in front of them, they're going to ask you for something. And if you give it to that person, how do you not give it to the next person and so on. And I felt like that was like really perpetuating and it was perpetuating for me. I was finding myself kind of hiding from my employees. Um, and the real shift for me was when I decided that I was going to just buckle down and do, um, strategic reviews throughout the year and that I wasn't really calling them the reviews. They were just, they were just owner one-on-ones. And the rule was you can't ask me for a raise in that meeting. The meeting is to talk about your development, your experience. And then if we need to have a raise conversation, we will actually have a raise meeting. And those happen in a certain time of the, the year. And what it did was it took me off the hook from feeling afraid of them, like not knowing what they were gonna ask for, but then made them feel better because I said, so these are like mentoring sessions. And then the raise conversation that happens in August and they knew it was coming. And so it was easy for them. And then I had the ability to talk to them about self-development before the raise piece. So when the raise conversation came, I was able to say, how you doing with that self-development? Um, and I, I feel like that, that made a shift for me. I just, I needed to get unafraid of them basically. Yeah. And I think the, the really good boundaries that you put up around those conversations and the positive intent you brought are, are the keys to making that work. Right. Um, I was just coaching, uh, one of the managers I work with and I said, you need to ask your people about their goals, right? Like in life outside of just the office, and, and he was like, well, what if they want to buy a house and I don't see how they could do that with the salary they're getting, or what if they want to move away? And that means that, you know, they're not working for me, you know, and it's like you, those aren't your concern. If somebody's going to try and do that stuff, then they're going to leave you to do it. If that's really that important to them, if you can come alongside of them and build out a path, they're going to love you. 
they're going to go above and beyond and maybe they can transform into that someday. But just because somebody says it's something they want, doesn't mean it's your responsibility as an owner to just write the check. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's not just, we feel scared, but sometimes people feel so obligated to do whatever they can. They can't help themselves from, you know, do, giving too much. Yeah, I think that's like that's a that's a really good point. And I've um, seen in my coaching a couple of times when there has been this kind of standoff with with an employee and an owner, and invariably the owner knee jerks into a response to that employee, but then will give raises to the people around that employee for fear that one employee will talk, and that can be that can be so damaging. Because, you know, on the one hand, the employee that wanted the raise got it, but then everybody else gets it. And now the employee that got it and advocated for themselves feels like, oh, wait a second, wait, wait a second. But I was leveling up. I was, you know, so it, it's so tricky. And it, it, like I said, it took a while, but now that we have like this system, it, it now, because it's a system, everybody knows it's a system. So they get to work knowing, oh, what, wow, one-on-ones are coming up. Like, it's, it's just there. And then same thing with new recruits, 30, 60, 90 check-ins. Um, and of course, you know, I'm using Grow the Bench um, with my crew leads. And that's just awesome because we're just, we just have this great format where we're mentoring, you know, in, in this strategic way straight through that 100-day marathon of spring so that they always have checkpoints and nothing will really go off the rails. I mean, you'll have a moment, but you can catch the moment and then, and then you keep going. So initially it's hard, but, but now it's easy. It's, it's a testament to uh, that point of just being in front and upfront and very clear. Uh, you know, I think strategies of open book management, I think strategies of just uh, laying, uh, laying sets of accountabilities. I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because I've finally had that aha moment. We're doing quarterly meetings with my direct reports and we've gone through the compensation part. So I'm really looking forward to the rest of the year, which has been missing is now it's about the development and each of these meetings we're going to build on this piece. And then a year from, you know, a few months ago, we will of course be talking about compensation, but we're, and and you can hold me accountable to come in that meeting prepared. uh, And I'm going to hold you as well accountable to, to that's when we discuss this and we defer until that point. Um, and, uh, and so I'm excited, but I also know that I have got a greater responsibility and then teaching that to the next levels and next levels. And so it quickly, you figure out, well, why you don't not supposed to have 12 direct reports because this is unsustainable. Uh, you cannot keep up with this kind of one-on-one. And so we've got to really look at that. And, but it is people come here and they want to know what the job is the day before they want to know what's happening. You know, the 30 day review is going to be an opportunity to talk about this piece. And we, we follow that same strategy. Um, but where it fails, where I've had a couple conversations, well, they, they got squirrely because they didn't know when that time to talk about compensation was going to be. And they're concerned because they want to buy a house or they have goals and no one's talking about how they're going to reach it within the organization. So it, it does require those that manage and lead to, you got to put it out there. You got to plan it, schedule, whatever works for you to, to, to make it happen. And they're going to be really fun conversations. It's going to be healthy conversations. And if someone's not meant to be, these are the conversations you could actually move people on in a really happy way, in a good way and, and, or keep them here and get them excited about working with you. 
but but they're super awkward the first time terrible right terrible. Super, for for everybody super super awkward yep. and they take an insane amount of time yes. to do it right <laughs> if you can get past those two things then your retention skyrockets your profit skyrockets everybody's happier but it, it's going to take you know three months of really hard work and then a continuous investment of time to get to that point you want always the wish is that there's a statistical there's a math equation here well, you've been here for X years. You've doing the you've done twelve of these, two of those, so you get this kind of raise. And it's never the case. And production level up to people that I, I work with, it's just there is subjective and objective parts of all this, and it's just being clear on what we're measuring. And if it's my measurement, or as I am there, you know, the direct report, then it's my measurement, right? And I believe it will be benefit the company. And if it's the next levels down, and and we've been to too many meetings where it was, let's talk about your development, blah, 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 blah. Here's your race, right? Because that's all they heard, right? And uh, and then they move on. And a year from now, well, I did that, didn't I? No. Well, tell me when I didn't. Well, geez, I can't remember June, but it's something back in June happened. So uh, it, the awkwardness, you can avoid it by just constantly checking in and talking through these things and caring about the person, but then holding them responsible for growing within the company. Yeah, I think it's also really important. Like I've always struggled with metrics because it's it's just not how my brain works. Like metrics don't, and they matter. But I'm 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 visual. I'm a creative. I talk with my hands. I you know like I, I go to a property, and you know my first intent when I get to a property isn't to start measuring. My my the way I work in design is I get into a property and then I begin to feel the property. I mean, it sounds corny, but like I do, I, I feel the energy of the property, the movement of the property. I'm looking at the light, I'm feeling the air. I'm, I'm, you know, so for me, so much of it is, is like this tactile sensing. And so I really struggled with metrics. I also have, um, a mild dyslexia. So I also am somebody who will screw up numbers and, you know, and, uh, so I have to, I always have to, my brain has to be really on. And if my brain is really on to be working metrics, then the part of it that wants to be more intuitive kind of shuts down. So I struggled with metrics a lot and I didn't want them because I felt like when you measured a person based on metrics, I was minimizing that person. But now what I'm realizing is it's like, how do I join the two? How do I, and, and again, I got to say for me, Grow the Bench helped because it, it gave me a beginning framework, like specifically for my crew leaders, which was my stumbling point. Um, I could always find people to work, but I wanted people to lead. And um, it gave me buckets to, to look at that leadership. And then um I took that and I, I brought it over and sort of created a system within my company. And then I sat down with each person and I said, why did you give yourself that score? So now I wasn't doing the metric, they were doing the metric. And then I said, what would you need to get that score up? And we talked about the three that they wanted to get to a four. And you know, this is all new, but it feels so empowering to work with someone to set metrics and they're setting their own metrics. I'm saying, what are your dreams? How do you want to grow? Okay, how are you going to get there? Okay, who do you need to help you? Okay, how long do you need to do it? And I gave them, you know, a 30-day window. And I said, you know, don't overload yourself. Pick one thing, pick two things, do that thing. And um, basically what I did was I, I, I looked at, okay, well, if we can work over 90 days and we can look at 
a raise, a potential raise over 90 days, it's up to you to own it and earn it. Cause I'm not going to, I'm just going to help you put it down on paper. And then what I want you to do is put that goal, put it in your pocket, put it in your wallet, whatever, put it on a sticky note on your, you know, steering wheel. And then you work it. But if you come back to me and you said you're going to do this thing and you didn't do that thing, I don't have to give you a race because it's not up to me. It's up to you. So, you know, I don't think it's perfect, but I think our work is to keep trying and to keep um, leaning into the fact that people want to grow. They, they, they want to know that their lives have a direction and we have a really cool opportunity to help them see their own direction. And then they like inadvertently, right? Grow your company. It's, it's just such a win-win when you can get there. Yeah, the you have to have that intuitive side and that collaboration or that qualitative side, right? Because if you're, you can have all the KPIs in the world but if you're just setting them for people and they don't think that they're fair or achievable or relevant then it's just going to be one frustrating, you know, conversation about not achieving them after another. Um, having, having metrics is great for clarity, right? And tracking improvement over time. And for that reason, I think they're essential. But without that human side, they just become numbers on the page. Right. Well, and, and, and I want to, uh, I think, reinforce a couple of things when you said was one, you, you you watch the evolution of you were asking questions through those reviews, right? Instead of just saying, this is what I want you to do, or this is how I would do it. You, you've given them uh, the ability to lead through it. And I, uh, I embrace that because if, it, if you just want it your way, then you just, then don't grow, own, you know, have everybody report to you and just hang out there. And then you have control of everything and, and your stress would be there. And, it's certainly challenging when you transition responsibilities to that next level and they do it their way. But I've surrounded myself and I work with a team that I, they're not me by any stretch of the imagination and they're way better in many, many different parts. And, and so we've had these conversations and I'll ask a lot of questions and I want them to reflect on, on, on a lot of the pieces and, and they want my feedback, but it's not about, you know, and I said, listen, that's not about me telling you what you're doing or right. I, I'll give you the guide rails. I think if the way you think or the metric doesn't really is not a good enough stretch or really going to go, we're going to talk about that, but it's still up to you all. And it feels awkward and, and strange, especially if you've been doing it for many years, your way and only your way, but asking questions and having just uh, the supporting role rather than the leading role, I think is a, is a really big part of that. And then the benefit of just surrounding yourself with people that think differently and actually really want to do something with it. Then like this the the self and the balance and the fun of this gets shows up tremendously for owners uh, or the leaders because you can get your life back pretty quickly yeah absolutely and i think um you know there's so much talk about entrepreneurship you know it's like you hear that word just like buzzing around all the time and um i i really think that every person can be can kind of have their own entrepreneurial bubble right they can all they can all lead, manage, um, grow, um, aspire to. They can all do that, right? In their in their entrepreneurial bubble, and you're looking for as much overlap in that entrepreneurial spirit as as you can possibly get. And and that's a foreign concept to a lot of people who are coming into the industry. So we're we're sort of charged, I think, with bringing this new language 
so that people realize, oh, I can do that. That's cool. Okay. Um, and so that, that has been one sort of aha for me. And the other aha for me was, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's like you, you want shit your way. Like it, you, it, you almost can't help yourself. And so I've had to learn to be able to just shut my mouth sometimes. Like my way is not the only way. Like, you know, the, the, there are areas where I get to decide, where I get to unilaterally decide. But I have to be really clear about the areas, especially with my crew leaders, where their decision is as good as mine, even if it's different, if as long as it's delivering, it's good. And it's better if I let them go their way within the construct of the company. That has been such a hard lesson. And I'm still learning that lesson. <laughs> so I'm curious how you 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 have set these values, right? Or discovered these values as important to you and maybe a couple core people who have been with your company for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And and from that perspective, it's been very top down. And then you're interviewing people and looking for a cultural fit, but obviously not everybody's a hundred percent, right? They're, everybody's unique. And so there's some overlap and you're looking for as much as you can find, but as you add and, and change people on the team, how do you manage that evolving um, point around your values and your culture? That's a great question. Um, I think that the top-down element um, is, is um, when it comes to, to nature, it's very top-down because I'm the one driving in that direction. However, I have now started hiring people like from agriculture um, or people who are very heightened horticultural minds. And so it's gotten easier um, with systems. That's one of the ones that always ends up being a struggle, especially when you look at like paperwork, cell phones, um, you know, just all of the ways of communicating. Um, Education for me was a really hard one because I really struggled growing up in education. I really struggled in school and then finished school and realized how much I wanted and loved education and came to it so late. Um, and again, as I learned from you, Neil, is the idea of you know making education available to people, but also saying that it's okay to stay and be great. And that staying and being great, that was such a new concept to me. It completely opened my eyes to understanding that with each one of those values, they sit on a continuum, you know, that it isn't my way or the highway, damn it. Like, it's not like that. It's that there's, we sort of look at it when you think about quality, there's a quality vector and the center of the vector is me. It's, it's what I'm setting. It's, and there's a vector with the values and that center is me. I'm the through line as the founder. If I were to go away, we would keep that as the founding through line of the company, not the founders through line. And then that vector is where it's okay to play. And the key is to define that vector and ask, oh, wait a minute, are we getting too wide here? We might be able to pull that in a little bit. We're getting a little sloppy. Um, but then it, it, it's a conversation and you realize that there is room for a lot more people when you can approach something like values, like mission, like vision um, with a continuum mindset. It's just more inclusive. So I love the idea of hiring somebody 
essentially as a champion or assigning somebody as a champion for distinct values. And then are you having regular conversations as a group where it's okay to call people out for, you know, things that maybe get this and let those champions speak for themselves. So it's not always just you trying to reinforce what's, you know, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's been huge. And so what we do every year is we, we give value awards and I have nothing to do with them. And the way we do that is it's a, it's again, it's a Google form and all the values are there and everyone gets to vote for somebody who they believe is championing, championing that value. Um, and what that does is it keeps everyone's mind up and open to that value all the time. And what started to happen, and this is like in the past, like two, three years, is that we really do have people that are champions of certain areas. So we've got champions of safety here. We've got, you know, this, our soil champions, our, 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 you know, our wow champions, you know, because the landscape, um, the lifescaping credo is organized, healthy, and wow. And so who, who leads toward health, who leads toward organization and who leads toward wow. And the same thing with the values. And then we're training people to go find that champion. Like, don't call me, go find the champion and then they'll help you. So, you know, it's not like just somebody's a fleet manager or a safety manager. They're actually a person that just, they'll geek out on safety. So they end up being a fun person to talk to because they'll help you solve your safety problem. Um, and that's like peer support, but it also can work the other way and be peer pressure, like positive peer pressure. It opens up a company to individuals to say, it's not just about plants in the ground or mowed turf. It's now how they can effectively work with others and, and find passions within one organization, which Again, they were hired initially to perform one service and then they expand in a company that, you know, takes culture and, and, and these ideas important. And now they're seeing a, a much broader range of where they could be, they can grow or test their skills. And when we started engaging um, uh, our management team in a, in a committee structure to support our values in action or uh, financial viability, the conversations, and these weren't the professionals, they weren't experts in this, but they've learned along the way and they are getting more engaged. And, and, and I like to think that our satisfaction in our workplace is growing because they're seeing themselves connected and seeing the results of what's happening. Um, trickle that down to the frontline team members, that will be, you know, when we see some, some raving success of this. Yeah. And I think the, you know, that that's where for me, um, I had to really rethink how the recruiting process worked because I was, a, uh, I was a real strong positive for recruiting, but I was also a real negative in retention. And the reason for that was people would get excited about working for me. And the fact that I had these big visions about, especially the people I was, I was interviewing, you know, about doing environmental work and trying to be more intersectional between regenerative farming and, and landscaping. But the problem is I, I'm not in the front line. So, you know, I hire you and then never see me. That feels like a bait and switch. And so one of the big revamps I had to do was to really pull myself out of the recruiting process. I make the final hire, just like I close the sales deals, but ultimately I'm more of a background player 
I have to let my crew leaders and my managers be the ones who are interacting and supporting and mentoring. You know, I had to get people comfortable with the word mentoring, um, those frontline people, because they're going to need a lot. They need a lot in the beginning. And we hire a lot of really new people into the industry um, because we have such a training mentality here. Um, that was really important. That was like a big, oh, I'm screwing things up. I got to get out of the way. <laughs> It, it, it's a it's a it's an appropriate pr uh, perspective for I think of the listeners, because right as an owner you feel like you can close anything you know uh, yeah I'll get that person in here right and um, but it's not you know it's not always sustainable and um, and then sometimes you open the door and I had one experience where that person that we hired at a frontline level had access to my, you know, called me, texted me random times to say well what about this or hey I didn't it's not like Oh shoot! I I didn't direct you in the right place, and 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 I can't, you know, even if I agree with you, I can't effectively change that or disagree with you. I can't change. So, um, it it is a and, and so back to the messaging about as an owner or a leader, if you want to grow, you have to move some things on. If you want to hold on to it, there's a path for it, but just don't. Yeah, you can't complain about it right anymore. You can't. Yeah, that's you what you can't. choose. And you're undermining your your front your not your frontline people but you're undermining your crew leads because like so what I go and hire a bunch of people and then throw them at my crew leads and say work with this person and they're like I hate that person versus you know a whole recruiting system that brings people in because a lot of it for us now has some automation which is really cool um, but it comes through and there's all these gates in the automation that happen without a human which is awesome. And then when the humans get it, it's not me. And then they get to decide, yeah, I want to hire them. I would never hire anybody that, that they told me a hard no. So it's a happy, you know, we do it with smiley faces. You remember, you know, like when like you're in pain in the doctor's office and they're like, which one is you? So we do like smiley faces. And, you know, if they're past like the middle line face, I can't even consider them, but anywhere from that to the smiling face, it's like, okay, what are we talking about? What's your concern? What, you know, can we overcome it? Can't we go overcome it? You know, do you want to give it a try? Don't you, unless I get a thumbs up, I'm not hiring them because I don't, I don't, I'm not working with them. It's I, I have to support my team. Well, I'll, That's I'll a get, hard thing to learn. <laughs> I get the question often. Uh, we'll have people that have left our organization and they want to come back maybe they figured out we might be the, a better place and they've had to learn it. And they're like, well, so-and-so uh, is, uh, is looking to come back. What do you think, Brett? And I'm like, well, don't ask me. I mean, think about that. Why did the person leave? What was the context of it? If, if you're saying you just need to fill a quota of a number, uh, you know, I, there's caution behind that. If there's a reason for departure that did not work. And uh, you know, I've, labeled some of the folks boomerang employees they just keep coming back they leave and they come back they leave they come back and and sometimes you wish you could just throw them a little further um but the uh um and so you just have to feel to do it and if if to your point if there's if there's thumbs up smiley faces for whatever criteria they leave then they're willing to put the effort behind making this person succeed for them then i'll support 100 but if they're just looking for my permission to not say yes to someone that they sort of was a friend with, or like, they, you know, they don't want to say no, then uh, it's like, then don't, right? But you have that, I, they'll get, and it's been too long where I was involved in so many hiring or so many decisions company, like that we haven't been on the other side of this fence long enough where, oh yeah, 
Brett is a fantastic coach. He leads this. He'll give you like, they know how deeply I've been involved in for years. And so it's still coming back to me. I still got to keep coaching through. This isn't a decision I'm making anymore. This is your decision. Sorry, I just fell off the video there for a second, but I heard everything you said. <laughs> um, this is know, only on audio, right? So no one even noticed this. You didn't even have to say anything. It would have been like, oh, Brett, I was just thinking about that for 10 seconds. And that was really a good idea. <laughs> that was a great point, Brett. Well, Monique, I know we could probably talk for uh, a whole nother hour, but uh, we don't have that time. But since you've put all of this in writing, why don't you let our listeners know the best place to find your book and subscribe to your blog and uh, learn more from you? Absolutely. Well, my website is the place to go. So it's thegardencontinuum.com, www.thegardencontinuum.com. And uh, you can, there's a shop, so you can just go right to the shop. The book is there, get an autographed copy. I'll sign it and send it to you. Um, we do like people to support um, local bookstores. So you can go, we have a link to indiebound.com. You can go there too. Um, and of course, Amazon. And then the blog is also on the website. And I have two blogs. So I have one that is a gardening blog. So if you want to learn a little bit about gardening, it's connected to our YouTube channel with some gardening shows, um, gardening training. And then I have an academy blog and that talks about everything business. I am supremely uh, need to fill up my day a little bit more. I am thinking <laughs> I'm busy. I just realized I have a lot of free time. I'm not doing any of that. So I, I, I should be, we I don't know why I'm not doing it. We didn't even get to talk about everything else like parenting and, and paddle boarding and yoga that Monique does on the regular either. So, I think um, she has to do all that while she's writing the book. Right? She paddle boards that's what I'm book. thinking about. What I, being on a paddleboard oh, yeah. is yeah. a great place to think. And actually, I'm going to throw out one other thing in the shop um, because I know this is Nalp's Young Professional Podcast. Um, and no matter which way we slice it, however you do your values, Cash flow is always king and it's and it is right now. I actually have a free ebook called The Landscape Business Owner Survival Guide. And it's um, 15 key steps to keeping your flat cash flow really healthy. Um, and that's free. That's a total freebie. I mean, the blog is free, you know. So um, I that's just like a really good um, ebook for people to to take a look at if they have any concern about their cash flow. Well, Monique, we certainly appreciate everything you do for the industry and all the resources you put out there. And uh, as you know, listening to our blog, we always end with a, a rose and thorn. So Brett and I will probably talk about the past week or so, but you can share uh, from whenever you'd like about something going well and something that's a little prickly right now. Um, <laughs> Brett, you want to kick us off? I had, uh, I guess, a couple of highlights. Uh, one, I spoke to the Landscape Club of SUNY Cobleskill the other evening, and it was good to get on where our typically be face-to-face -face recruiting opportunities or networking that had to go virtual. And so I was able to talk to them and have really sharp questions. Not, not that I, I, you know, my, is it alumni of SUNY Cobleskill? Of course, they're going to be the smartest of the bunch, but just, uh, I think thoughtful, deeper than just what do you do? How many trucks do you have? It was, well, how do you make yourself a differentiator? You know, what as owners do you think about the most? And it's just, it's like, this was a fun conversation and they engaged instead of, me talking, you know, in front of a class. So, uh, so that was a lot of fun. Um, and we have, we are having our kickoff tomorrow and we are bringing the team together. Uh, and we've got lots of exciting news and engagement. And uh, so, and, and no thorns. No, I'm, I'm happy as can be right now. No thorns. How about you, Neil? 
Um, I'm just loving the weather. I'm loving baseball and, uh, I'm so excited to get back to in-person events. My, my first one is, uh, the snow fighters inner circle, um, that we're bringing back after a hiatus and, uh, things are coming together. We've got great people who are going to be there, but my thorn is, um, we're going to sell out in like two weeks. So, um, I'm gonna have to tell some people they can't, they can't come unfortunately, but health and safety is, is limiting us to the amount of attendees. So that's yeah. a little bit of a bummer, but, um, it'll still be a good time. Monique, how about you? Um, well, I'm actually really excited. I just got booked to be, to speak at the, um, Florida nursery and growers and landscape association. Um, and I was supposed to speak there last year, but of course last year was last year. And, um, and I had a great conversation with the education coordinator and I ended up doing my, my talk last year virtually. And so this year I'm going to do it live in Orlando. And I'm really excited because she is really interested in the landscapers freedom formula, which is, you know, just this whole, uh, idea I've, I've been developing and teaching for a while, just about how landscapers build a lifestyle business. Um, so I was really excited that she was interested in that, um, uh, rather than doing lifescaping, just the book over again. Um, so, uh, that's really cool. And, uh, the only thorn I have is I, I got a pain in the left side of my, my neck and shoulder. That's been driving me crazy for a couple of weeks. So I'm just going to the chiropractor and doing my yoga and trying to just shake it off. I just, um, I keep waking up with a headache. So I know it's just, it's like the, I think it's the power of, of, of spring and, you know, I'm getting up really early. So that, that's my thorn. I'll just work through it. Just got to get this body to keep going. <laughs> well, and, and, and you weren't kidding, uh, when you, when you said to the listeners, I talk with my hands so in the activity of your hand, right. So maybe that might be affecting the shoulder <laughs> and the, uh, those, those hands are moving. So I'd say, Cross them like you are. Yeah, exactly. Just hold them there for like two weeks and you probably come out of this thing just fine. That's a good, yeah. Right? yeah. I am not by, uh, what, what's the disclaimer? Uh, any medical information given on this show, do not take serious. So, yeah, for sure. That, like we are totally going to get in trouble if someone's going to do that. No one's <laughs> in trouble. But this is a good conversation today. We missed uh, Luke and Miles, but we'll, we'll get them back on. And uh, so thanks, Monique. This is Yeah, great. Monique, thanks so much for being here. Uh, really appreciate everything you had to share. Definitely check out Monique's website at thegardencontinuum.com. Thank you to everyone for listening to our podcast. Please uh, be sure to leave us a review if you enjoyed it and subscribe, share it with your colleagues, friends, family, or anybody else you think would be interested in hearing what we have to talk about. We'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.